Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Liam Maitland, KCBS foodie champ, celebrating the life of Anthony Bourdain. Taken too young, too soon. With me, Chef Roland Pessoa. Chef, good to see you, my friend, and I'm sorry that we're together on this day. Yes, I'm very sorry, and uh, it, it is a sad day, but it's a day that, uh, you know, we should, unfortunately, you know, uh, lost a great friend, but we should celebrate him because he was an awesome, awesome guy, and uh, have a lot of good memories with him, and uh, I think where we hooked up and we're feeling so close. It's because, uh, you know, he, I remember he always tell me that I was real. I was not, you know, a, a makeup chef, you know. And he said, please keep it real, Roland, keep it real. <laughs> well, that's it, chef. Um, Anthony Bourdain was so many things. He was real. He was raw. He was a raconteur. He was part rock star, rebel chef, and, uh, of course, uh, to every cook in the world that he encountered, he celebrated uh, those who came from the kitchen, those on the front lines, working hard, long days, over a hot stove. He celebrated you guys. He shone a light on the likes of you uh, and everyone in every kitchen around the world, no matter what part of the world he went to. He invited his viewers into the kitchen. Uh, we're going to raise a glass to Tony Bourdain, uh, and you pulled out something special. Uh, what do we have, and what are we drinking for Tony? Uh, we're drinking a Don Ruina Rosé, and uh, I know Tony like his cocktails. You know, he, he loves his Negroni, but, you know, he knew I love champagne, so we're drinking champagne, and uh, it's a great Don Ruina, so thank you. To Tony. So to Tony. And I have to just say, um, I, uh, I'll go back and share my story about how I first met him. I know that every time he came to the Bay Area, uh, he sought you out, Chef Basso. Uh, and I would always ride on your coattails and wherever you were going to be with him, I, I wanted to be there. So we have some memories together. But take me back in time. The first time you met him was at Leal in New York way before he was famous. Tell me about that first time and that first meal uh, and that first interaction with uh, Tony Bourdain. So it, it, it was uh, funny. I was with my wife, Jamie, and we were in New York. I forget if it was for a James Beard event or something like this. And we went to Leal for dinner. And we arrived over there, and he was still cooking then. And we met just like two chefs met. You know, I mean, there was no, you know, he had no fame he was just a chef just like I was and we introduced each other you know and uh, then uh, he made us a steak tartare and Jamie to that day my wife Jamie said this is the best steak tartare I ever had <laughs> we are talking about it it's funny we are talking about it just a few days ago she was saying uh, great the steak tartare of Tony was at Lial and I was just probably like about couple of days ago why was it so special 
because it was uh, simple. It was you test the beef. You had not too many ingredients. You had uh, a little bit of Worcestershire, a little bit of mustard. You know, you had all the ingredients of the. But it was done. It was well seasoned, and it was done by by a cook. <laughs> and it's what he was. He was he was really the the voice for us of the cook, of yeah. the chefs, yeah. of the restaurateur, yeah. and. He knew that life so well, yeah. then, then he was really able to, you know, take the fight for us and talk about all our issues, all our problems, and uh, how difficult it is day to day to run a restaurant. He was a voice uh, for those on the front line, uh, the cook, uh, those uh, who would be sweating day in, day out, running restaurants, running kitchens, uh, making people happy through food, and yet he knew what it'd take to bring that joy to diners. Oh, yes, did he know what to take? And, uh, you know, his life took him to another way, obviously, you know, after his first book, uh, Kitchen Confidential, where I think, you know, I mean, uh, it was the launching of his uh, uh, writing career and then uh, film career, you know, in a sense, then he was on TV and he was a TV star, he was a TV personality, but for me, he was a journalist. Oh, yeah. Well, a journalist and also a filmmaker. If you watch any episode uh, of No Reservations, but especially uh, the latest series, I always say that on the Travel Channel, it's where he became famous, but on CNN, it's where he found his voice as an observer, observer of culture and life and all things culinaire. Uh, he became a journalist, if you will, uh, really chronicling on his travels the culture of the places he visited, but always celebrating the chef. Always celebrating the chef and sharing that culture and sharing those those moments with different chefs, but different personalities. And uh, he made us dream. Yeah. He made us want to try new food. He made us want to go to places that we never think of going before. And uh, that was awesome to have someone like this, a voice a chef, who was able to really transport us and say, okay, this is going to be on my bucket list. I want to do that. I wish I could do it with Tony, but I, w- <laughs> I want to do it. I want to do it. And I think so many of us went, you know, and people who travel, you know, who maybe didn't travel that much, but every time they went and they say, where did Tony went? Did he went to that little, you know, place, you know, in the middle of nowhere in Vietnam, you know, then, you know, was just chick- selling chicken feet. Oh, or, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. he was trying anything, but he made us dream. Yeah. And that dream is going to stay with us forever. And thank God we have those, those series that we can watch back because he was awesome. He was just awesome. And the, the narrator that he was, you know, I mean, it's just like get into you, you know. I mean, his voice it was so special. Yeah. I mean. He, I, took, he took you there. He took yeah, you there. Yeah. Whenever you watched the show, you felt like you were there with him. He invited you in, took you along for the ride. Uh, and the, the joyful part of him is, yes, he covered fine dining chefs, but he also covered every other chef from food trucks to street food and everything in between. He covered it all. I think he, he loved the street food. He loved the things then was, just like you say earlier, raw. Things were real. Things then, this is what people live. This is how they live. This is not always, 
you know, you know, the silverware and the little, uh, little things in the plate was beautiful, but he wanted to see how people live and how people live in, you know, in Houston, in San Francisco, but in China, in France, in Italy. And you get all those moments that he's sharing with you. And if something didn't click, and I remember a specific show in, uh, in Italy, where he went diving, and I don't know if you remember that show. I think it was on noise aviation, so on, uh, <clears throat> and uh, he dive, and the guy who was taking him as a guide, or the, the, the chef, or whoever it was, had bought a bunch of fish, and he's throwing, he had the guy's throw from the boat, and he was so pissed <laughs> off, he went get drunk, and he was pissed at the guy, and, you know, but it was, it, it was, it was Tony. I mean, he didn't give shit yeah he didn't give he didn't give a shit he really didn't uh and he was he was was real and he was raw uh and as he would say to you chef keep it real and and as a as a tv host as a tv journalist for me uh he broke that wall he broke that wall uh, uh that fourth wall uh he never looked into the camera rarely he wasn't your conventional host it was like his path his way of doing things, his rebellious ways, his rock and roll ways. Uh, it was the real Tony Bourdain. It's who he was, and that's who we saw on television. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and we love him for that because he was himself. Yeah. He, he, it's, it's what it, it just, for me, it blew my mind, and he's gone. And, uh, and again, you know, I'm thinking, hey, at least we have those memories on television, all those shows, and we're all going to watch them back and uh, and probably, you know, put a few drops of, uh, you know, tears and maybe fill up a glass with those tears because I tell you, the guy was awesome and I'm going to miss him greatly and so is many of us. If you just joined us, uh, we're talking to Chef Roland Pessot. Uh, we're talking about the life of Anthony Bourdain. Um, Chef, I met him soon after his first book, Kitchen Confidential. It was the book that changed everything for cooks and kitchens across the country. He invited us into the kitchen, and and we got to see the kitchen in a real, raw way. Tell me firstly, when you first got this book uh, and you flicked through it, what was your reaction to his book, Kitchen Confidential? I mean, you know, again, the raw part of telling the truth, telling the stories of what happened in kitchens. And, you know, I think those stories are more in the past today than they are, than what we see today. Hopefully they are, at least, yeah. you know. And but he's, talking, he's talking about, you know, the late 80s, uh, the 90s, uh, the book came out and in the 70s. And the 70s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, it was very difficult. Kitchens were very different than they are today. And there was, uh, you know... Uh, respect, but it was really tough to work in kitchens, and uh, the language was not always pleasant. There was a lot of screaming, there was a lot of yelling, there was a lot of abusing, there was a lot of sex, there was a lot of uh, drinking, drugs, everything. So that that existed, and you know what was funny when I saw the f- the first time I saw the book. Matter of fact, and not seen. Tony for years, you know, since uh, since Leal, and we didn't really keep in touch. We say hello, you know, the first time. So here he come, and uh, you remember Joey Altman. Of course, and I, uh, his show, Bay Cafe. And this is a great story, Chef, because I know today is a lot of people are talking about Tony Bourdain, Anthony Bourdain. Uh, they're, 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 they're talking about what could have led to this ending of his life. 
uh, I want us and instead to focus on 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 his great life on the way he touched us uh, and celebrate him and celebrate him for all that he was including his great sense of humor which leads us to this story so you know Tony come I mean Tony was you know like I said before not uh, somebody that I knew well then I met him in one occasion really so here we are with Bay Cafe and Bay Cafe I was often on the show so you know and I remember Joey saying, hey, you know, I mean, you want to be on a show again? I want to do a show with you, you know. I mean, uh, and myself, I love to play jokes. So I play a great joke on uh, Hubert Keller from Florida Lease years ago. And uh, the joke was pretty much then uh, uh, President Clinton was coming to his restaurant. You are a devil. I can't and, believe and, you would do this to and, a good friend. And, and I had a good Englishman, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> pretending being from the Office of Protocol of the White House. Anyway, you know. Long story short, Hubert was expecting President Clinton, Chantal, went bought a beautiful dress, and uh, uh, and he never paid me back. So even Joey that day when I come in, he wanted to come on a Thursday, I remember. And I said, let's go to the farmer's market. He said, no, 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 I can't. You know, we, we have to time, time frame-wise, I won't work, but we'll meet you at 7.30 in the morning at La Folie. So he, he arrived, and we start cooking. I remember I was doing a lobster dish. And suddenly, a, uh, a knock on the door, and two guys come in, and a gentleman, a Chinese gentleman, you know, I was uh, telling me, uh, may I speak with the uh, manager or the owner? And I say, you know, they, you know, I was like, as you can tell, he's very busy. You know, I'm filming, you know, I mean, you know, and the guy opened his jacket. He said, I'm the head of inspector of the health inspector of San Francisco, and we hear to to do an inspections and I say but we cannot do it now <laughs> and Joey's crew was w- was great because they say oh uh, can we follow you along they say we have to do the inspection now because we had a complaint about a rat in your restaurant <laughs> and I say what I say what are you talking about? Yeah, somebody around 3 o'clock in the morning saw a rat in front of your restaurant. I said, oh, it's San Francisco. You know, maybe a rat was working in, down the street. You know, I mean, there is possibility. You know, we buy a, a pier here. And he said, no, no, they saw it inside the restaurant. I said, no, it's not possible. You, know? you had to be dying. There's a film crew here. There's a film crew here. I'm turning every which color, you know, I mean, I'm yellow, I'm gray, I'm red, I'm, you know, and I'm remembering that the health inspector, and it's the real health inspector of San Francisco, introduced me to the gentleman next to him. He said, this is an intern, he's from the East Coast, and he's coming, you know, to, you know, help me inspect, you know, and uh, in the meantime, he's going to do the inspection of the kitchen, why don't you come with me in the dining room? Camera is following me, (laughs) and I'm like sweating, and uh, the health inspector is as curly hair, has glasses, you know, he's tall, uh, the, the assistant. And I'm like, you know, in a dining room and they're showing me, you know, things in English, Spanish, Chinese. He's bringing rat trap to me. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you know and I, I didn't want to you're, tell the... You're about to have a heart attack. I'm, I'm ready to have an heart attack. It's not live, but, you know, I'm like, I didn't want to say no to the crew. 
because yeah. they're following the every which step I'm making. And here is Joey in the kitchen. And at the time, we have a, an open kitchen. So Joey's saying, and you want me to wear a net? And I'm not wearing a net. We have a show. And I say, Joey, just shut up. And, do. <laughs> and Joey, Joey Altman also, we know Joey has a good sense of humor. And he was in on this joke. Uh, the producer of... Bay Cafe, Lauren Williams, who's one of my best friends. Uh, I know Lauren, uh, with Joey, set up this really cruel, 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 cruel. thing. I almost died. And who, uh, was, who was the uh, assistant? So, so the assistant was on the floor, you know. I mean, aha, I found a potato underneath the, your reaching cooler. And I said, I have a crew cleaning every night, you know. I mean, this is impossible. He said, oh, maybe there's traces of salmonella somewhere. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, where's that jerk? And, and she would look at him and he said, I know you. He's looking at the guy with glasses and curly, gray hair, silver hair. And he said, I think you were on my show. You just had a book called Kitchen Confidential. And then I, I exploded. First, I went like, my, my jaw, I think, dropped. And then I went and I ran after the both of them outside. And I said, I will get you, Tony. I will make sure I pay you back. Well, here's the wonderful thing. Uh, what a great story. And I did pay him back. Oh well, listen. Let me let me look, look at that let, me, let me read this. So, Kitchen Confidential. We have the book right here, and on the top of the book, uh, Anthony Bourdain wrote "Cook Free or Die," and he would often sign books to friends with those words, "Cook Free or Die." But to Roland, the rat was the best part. Many many thanks for everything, my friend. Keep it real. Uh, he had a great sense of humor. He did. He did. So. We we did promotion of his book uh, at Left Bank, my adoration, in Larkspur, and uh, there was the uh, you know maybe a year after Kitchen Confidentials when he came up with his second book, and uh, I remember you know uh, we put a menu together with Leal Cookbook. And uh, we were sitting next to each other, and we were going back and forth. And, and I said, you know, the entrees that I'm making tonight, this is my grandmother's recipe. And this is something very special. So I said, Tony, I made that plate for you specifically. So I came with a big plate from La Folie, I remember, and I brought a, a cloche, you know, a cover. Sure. And... Uh, I'd turn vegetable on it, and uh, I said, my mother loved that dish. So he was like, like, wow, you know, I wonder what you made me, you know. And uh, so I said, why don't you open the cover? And inside, I had, so all those turned vegetables, and in the middle, I had a big rubber rat, but who looked really real. And when he opened the cover, it jumped at him because, you know, it was crawl inside. It was so large. And he almost had an heart attack. He said, you got me. You got me, all of You know? And, and from that day, we were best friends. You know, from that day, we were best friends. We had, we had a lot of fun together. And, uh, you know, good memories. I see him on many occasions. I, I was sending him a little email here and there, you know, I mean, Never tried to bug him too much because I know he was very, very busy. Uh, uh, I, I saw him with you, and uh, then I saw him in Grand Cayman at Cayman Island, you know, and where he was relaxing with his daughter. And, uh, you know, it's just sad. It's just sad. You know, um, over the years, what was great about Tony Bourdain is he never forgot those uh, 
who helped him on the way up. And so he always made a point to seek you out when he came to San Francisco. Uh, you were featured on a couple of his shows, um, first on No Reservations, and you went to Swan Oyster Depot uh, uh, enjoying oysters together. Yeah, and that was, was great because... Um, Is that I, the day you picked him up, right, uh, at the Fairmont? The day, so that day uh, they asked me, can you pick him up at the Fairmont? So I arrive at the Fairmont, and he is, he is laying down in front of the Fairmont with a book, like he partied too hard. He, he did party too hard the night before. You all know that Tony did love to party. And he said, okay, okay, let's go now, you know. I mean, and another day in, uh, in San Francisco. So we walked down all the way to Oyster Depot, and we crossed the street, I remember, in Nobel, and... Um, a guy and then a second person stop him and say, oh, can we take a picture? We love your show. We love you. Bye, bye, bye. You know? And I say, hey, Tony, you need to run for president. He said, that would be the worst job. <laughs> yeah, I, I, will, I will hate that job. I will be the worst job. And first of all, you know, I think, you know, I will not go through the investigation that easily. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he always was, he was very gracious always with people when they would come up to him. Uh, at events that we did together. Uh, he was very kind, very gracious, but he was most comfortable one-on-one or one-on-two or one-on-three uh, with bigger groups. I think he really had to push through uh, to, uh, to, to be comfortable, but I think he was most comfortable in a more intimate setting, was he not? Absolutely. He, he loved to be uh, really uh, just one-on-one, uh, because he didn't like card, he didn't like to hang out, uh, you know. Uh, Roland, I'm going to Jamie, come back here. Jamie Pesso, pull up a seat. I want to ask you a question. We're going to come back to this question, uh, but we have Jamie here. Uh, Jamie, Roland was talking about Anthony Bourdain's tuna tartare at Leal in New no, York City. Steak tartare, steak tartare, sorry, steak tartare. And that, uh, to this day, you say it was the best steak tartare you'd ever had. Absolutely. I think we didn't even know who Anthony Bourdain was at the time. And this was way before the Kitchen Confidential. This was, he was just the, the, the chef in the back. And they came to the table with the big, the rolling cart. And he was just amazing. I will always remember that. And he came out and talked. And of course, everybody knows everybody in the industry. So um, he was just one of the chefs. And now he's was the big star and wrote that amazing book. And yeah, it's just a really sad day. We're celebrating him and celebrating the best of him, uh, and we're celebrating a guy who who celebrated uh, the restaurant industry and all those who work so hard on a daily basis to make people happy through food. Absolutely, absolutely. He was always just one of the guys, one of the chefs. At whatever um, event that we would go to and see him at New York or coming here, he just was one of the chefs, one of the guys. That's all he wanted to be. He was never the big star, the whatever. I just, I, we really enjoyed him and we enjoyed our time together, especially when you, yeah. What was it with you? It was it was Joey? Was it Joey yeah, that did Joey. We were just talking about about the the rat yeah. joke. So Jamie, thank you. Thank you. We're remembering for those who've just joined us. I'm with Chef Roland Passeau, La Folie, uh, in San Francisco, uh, and we're remembering uh, a great chef, uh, a great friend, uh, and a guy uh, who's leaving a big big hole. Uh, Chef Roland, uh, we got to enjoy Tony together on a few occasions. Uh, I remember. 
Uh, I interviewed him early on a second time for Eye in the Bay, and I think it was, was it uh, down south? Um, no reservations had been out a couple of years, uh, and um, uh, he was very gracious. He took questions, and he never held back. He was always so real and so honest, uh, and when people would uh, ask him, I mean, people, there was nothing that was off limits with him, right? Absolutely. No off limit, you know, no BS. Uh, it's just uh, you get, you know, I get to know him and to know him just like he was, you know, and uh, it's what I think we like each other because it was, again, no BS. It was who you are and what you are. And, uh, you know, he always told me, oh, you should go and want uh, those uh, celebrity show and kick their ass. Yeah. <laughs> See, well, that was the other thing. He was always pushing his friends and always wanting to celebrate his friends. Um, we were just touching on the fact that he became uh, a big celebrity, uh, an icon, a hero to many. And although gracious and kind to everyone he interacted with, I think there was some discomfort with that fame, was there not? Yes, uh, I think it was, uh, the discomfort was, you know, then uh, unfortunately uh, the fame took over and uh, I think he uh, felt like then he was invaded by that fame, then he had to perform every day, then he had to be, you know, on the road every day and uh, he unfortunately, uh, it cost him his marriage, it cost him you know, his life. Yeah. Uh, we, we last saw him together. Uh, I know we've both seen him separately since, but the last time we saw him together, I remember uh, it was at the Tonga Room just over a year ago, and we both remarked afterwards, well, he also told us when we said, how you doing? I mean, how are you doing? And, of course, Tony being Tony, he said, I'm tired. I'm really tired. Uh, and we saw that. Yes, absolutely. He, he was very tired. And, um, and when I saw him a few months later in uh, uh, in Grand Cayman, uh, it was the same thing. It was, you know, I remember uh, I didn't see him for a few days uh, when or after I arrived. Uh, and suddenly I'm walking uh, on the beach and uh, I have a guy who runs behind me and who grabbed me and, you know, give me a big hug and... Uh, yeah, it was Tony, and uh, he was staying very private with his daughter and with Eric, his very, very dear friend, Eric Ripper, and Eric's wife. And uh, he was not, just like you were saying earlier, he was not sharing really, uh, you know, the. he didn't like the crowd. He wanted to be with just few people. He had some very good friends, and uh, he was surrounded by them, but he he didn't want to be, you know, I mean, in the middle of a crowd and uh, being like the, the star where everybody kisses ass, you know. He yeah. wanted to be himself and uh, in the order of being himself he wanted to be with with the people that he loves and the people that he appreciates and uh, I think uh, you know uh, but he had to also uh, do his tour and he had to go travel around the world and he loved it don't get me wrong he loved doing it his passion for culture and for food and for celebrating life and for sharing it through his television shows, we know he found joy in that. And that was a passion for him. Uh, but 250, 270 days of the year on the road, uh, a grueling schedule for anyone. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, like I say, as much as you love it, I think, you know, I mean, 
sometimes, you know, you was probably like, hey, why am I doing that? You know, I don't see my daughter. I see her like she's a couple of weeks out of the year, you know, I mean, and, and, uh, and, and that's it, you know, and uh, I think it was really hard on him. But he was the voice of the chef. He was the voice of the restaurateur and the cooks. And uh, he loved really being uh, around chefs. And uh, he loved that culture of, uh, 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 of simplicity. You know, I mean, of, uh, you know, even when he went to Lyon, I remember he went to Lyon with Daniel and, uh, uh, and Paul Bocuse. At Paul Bocuse, you know, he loved the fact that he went hunting. I mean, he was like, if you look at the show when he was in Lyon, he was like a little kid in a little toy store. You know, I mean, he could not believe he was at Bocuse. He could not believe he was doing what he was doing. So he loved that part of it. And, you know, Bocuse, you know, was like this. He was also a real man, yeah. you know. So, you know, uh, when he went over there, I think he was like, wow, you know, th this is great to be, you know, with a guy who uh, is the Pope of, of cuisine, but he's so real. He's right there with me and uh, have his dog and we're going to the cabin in the Les, les, les Dombes and we're going hunting, you know, and he was like a little toy, in the, I mean, a little kid in a toy store for me, you know, I mean, and he loved those parts of uh, telling those stories and he was very passionate about it. He was very, very passionate, I mean, to the point that he wanted he wanted to have perfections and I think he was a perfectionist yeah. in his shows and making sure that he was editing them you know one by one and he was you know not just the guy behind the camera he was also on the other side directing directing yeah. and editing and uh, I know then when he found the uh, 0.0 production, he loved them, he brought them in, that was his deal with CNN. He said, I'm going to brought them in with me. Yeah. There's no, I remember because the show was ending when we did the, the show and he said, hey, you know, I mean, I'm going to go to CNN, but I'm bringing my production show because uh, there's no other way. I, he, he had a connection with people yeah. and the people that he loved, he wanted them around him all the time. And each show is like a mini movie, a mini documentary. Uh, if, if you go back and watch the shows, Every piece of music was uh, strate strategically placed. Uh, every guest had to be the right guest. Um, he had his fingers on it all. I mean, this was his production. This was his viewpoint of the world. Uh, and we're seeing it through his lens. Yes, he, uh, he had uh, very good eyes. And uh, for me, uh, he had the talent. Then uh, not too many have, you know, even as journalists, I think, you know, I mean, he was able to tell story and to transport you into that story and making you want to go there, then even if it's, the, you know, Iran or even if it's, you know, you know, I mean, places in the world and you will never think of going before. Yemen. Yemen. Iran. So many places uh, that aren't on a bucket list for many people. But then Bourdain would go there, and because he went there, we all wanted to go there. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I wish he could have been my tour guide because he was not afraid of anything, and he was pushing the limit every time. You know, I mean, he take risk in his reportage and in his uh, in his storytelling. You know, he was not. You know, he was not about embellishing it. It was about the real stuff. It's all about real reality, you know. I mean, if one guy was doing reality TV, it was him with no BS, with no planning, with no. He was doing it day to day, day after day, and 
it was himself. It was no other. And the people were, he was filming. It was them. It was, you know, the photography, the filming. I think it's, it's just amazing. When you look at those people, you know it's there. It's not set. It's not film. And, oh, we're going to do this now. And we're going to do that, you know. It's the true things. And, of course, you had experience being on a couple of his shows. And when they would say, roll tape, you would launch into conversation and it was real? Yeah, One we take. just had a conversations. I remember, you know, at Swan, it was just a conversations. We were just talking, we were eating, we were talking, we were having fun, and it was not, nothing was planned. Absolutely nothing in was planned. In the moment. Planned. It was in a moment, and it was, you were living it with him, and he was living it with you, and it was magical. And it was magical because, you know, you didn't feel stress. You didn't feel like, oh, what am I going to say next? You're friend. You were you're with a friend and you're having a drink and you're just having a conversation. Exactly. And I think everybody knew Tony had the same experience. And uh, he, was, he was awesome. He was awesome. I'll let you have your last thought in a minute, Roland. Chef Roland Passeau with thoughts on Anthony Bourdain. Uh, here's a quote. Uh, from Anthony Bourdain, to which he said, travel changes you. As you move through this life and this world, you change things slightly. You leave marks behind, however small. And in return, life and travel leaves marks on you. Most of the time, those marks on your body or on your heart are beautiful. Often, though, they hurt. This is deep. <laughs> the, and, and, you know, when I hear stuff like this, it's the true Buddha, it's the true himself. And there's, you know, I, I, I think, you know, when you read that, you think of uh, maybe his last moment than he had. And, you know, I mean, I don't, we all don't know why it happened and how it happened, and, uh, but it happened. And uh, maybe it was so deep. Well, here's the thing, Chef, as we, as we say farewell to a friend, as we celebrate a friend, um, I do want to, I do want to m- remark on one thing. I, I do want to remark on one thing. Uh, this is a guy that we are celebrating today. Um, his favorite song was by Iggy Pop. It was Lust for Life. And fitting that that was his favorite song, Lust for Life by Iggy Pop. Yes, and uh, we should all play it today. Yeah, I think we, we should. should. We, we should all, you know, I mean, all the chefs who knew him here in San Francisco, we should get together and uh, play that song and have a good doing, maybe a couple of Negroni, even that I don't drink. Those usually, I will have one today because I think Tony Marco Lives, he was really, you know, the spokesperson for chefs, for cook. He was a man that I will always remember, and I'm glad I was able to meet him, to know him, and to share a story with him. And I will continue being true and being free, and or I will die. <laughs> Tony's wo- free or die. Tony's words uh, to you uh, in the book. Uh, that first made him famous, Kitchen Confidential, and to you, Chef Rolampo, so he wrote Cook Free or Die. Uh, and, and he wrote also, you know, 
many, many thanks for everything, my friends. And keep it real. Keep it real. And I think we need to keep it real. We need to know who we are. And we are just cook. We love what we do. And we need to continue being cook and not stars. Because stars could spoil our life. And, uh, you know, now he's with the stars. And, uh, you know... They're going to have some fun with him up there because uh, he won't hold up on anything. <laughs> I, I think I, I, I think if something, the Ansel and Gad are going to have a tough job on a guy like like this coming up there. <laughs> well, well, here's the deal. He'll be there with, with the best music. Jimi Hendrix, Elvis, yes. Elvis Presley, Janis Joplin, John Lennon. Uh, all those, including his favorite writer, Hunter S. Thompson, wherever he is. Uh, I know he'll be in good company. Chef Roland Bousseau, thank you for your insights. Thank you for sharing your stories. Here's to Tony Bourdain. Done. Cheers. Cheers. We're going to find a steak tartare recipe and share that with our friends. Uh, more on the life of Tony Bourdain and thoughts shared today by Chef Roland Bousseau at La Folie in San Francisco. All the info at kcbsradio.com and click on Foodie Chap. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.